Yo, good morning, Chicago, worldwide. This is the Bro Diallo Show on Q4 Radio. That was Locked Up, Akon, featuring Styles P of the Locks. And prior to that, we had Jailhouse Rock, true old school classic by the Fat Boys. I'm in jail. I'm in jail without the bail. I'm in jail. I'm in jail because we fail. Yo, I'm sending those out to Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump uh, is due to is has been indicted, due to be uh, taken into custody, and it, you know he's gonna go from a uh, menace to a martyr. So. I send those tracks out to Donald Trump, who's about to be locked up on D block. But he's good. Donald Trump would do very well in jail. I'm he, I'm sure he click up with the Aryan Nation, even though <laughs> he click up with the Aryan Nation. His commissary be straight. Melania and conjugal visit. Trump ain't got much to worry about. Anyway, Trump is due to be arrested on state charges. Um, the prosecutor and uh, Manhattan district attorney have uh, engaged in years of investigation of the Trump organization, his business practices, fraud, embezzlement, misallocation of funds. I mean, just a paper gangster. That's what they used to call it in New York, paper gangster. You know, moving files around, opening and closing accounts, filing for shit in your baby mama name. So, homie, back in the day, he used to call that paper gangsters. You know, you didn't put in no work in those streets. But, I mean, I guess Trump can't be called a paper gangster because, um, dude, put in that work. He's killed thousands of people. He was president for four years, and every single president is a goddamn serial killer. I mean, you can't be president of an empire. You can't be president of an empire without engaging in massive murder. And this system is is dream. So I I don't even think Trump would classify, but he's not being brought up on them charges, just like Obama. Because if they bring Trump up on them charges, they got to bring up, bring up Obama, bring up uh, Bush, bring up Clinton. You know, so there's a lot of people that would be a lot of powerful people that get locked up. So I guess they can't. You know, the, his real crimes, his his true atrocities, they just gonna sweep that under the rug because that could uh, lead to a uh, you know, a collapse of the whole system, of the whole shit. So Trump is never really just like Obama and Bush and Clinton. The Trump will never be brought up on his true crimes, his true atrocities. So the best they could get him on is some paper gangster shit. Because, you know, and also most of the, the most horrendous shit he did has been, if not legalized, it has become, you know, acceptable. Background noise. I just had somebody today message me about Obama's atrocities. Because uh, there's this meme going around where all Obama had no scandals in the White House. Obama had no invest, uh, see, even though he did. He, he had quite a few, you know, corrupt practices and guns and drugs, traffic through Mexico. And, but, you know, they say... Obama had a scandal-free presidency in eight years. Let me, oh, I can't look it up. 
But some dude just inboxed me. What was that? About how Obama um, had a administration free of crime. And I'm like, uh, so every time I see that meme, every time I see somebody post that meme, where is it? I don't see it. Oh, here it is. Every time I see somebody post that meme, that's not it. With Obama being, here it is. I'm going to show y'all this. Look at this. If you're looking online, they have this thing that says uh, Obama, eight years, zero indictments, zero guilty pleas, zero cover-ups, one tan suit. Where they're asserting that Obama's only uh, controversy that he provoked and eight years in the White House was he wore a tan suit. And even they defended Obama wearing a tan suit by showing other presidents wearing tan suits. And so whenever I see that meme, I always go to the comments because I ain't got a life. I ain't got no life. So I go in the comments and I start to recount Obama's crimes, his international war crimes, his atrocities. I don't even get into the shit because him selling black people out was legal. Him, him, the, the, most of the, the shit he did against the community was legal. So I go in and, 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 and see, you know, when he violated treaty obligations, when he broke the highest law of the land, he broke laws that surpassed the U.S. Comp Constitution. Obama literally committed hundreds of war crimes, hundreds of atrocities. And so the dude come and be like, well, all the other, other presidents do it. <laughs> As if that's a, a legal excuse. I wish I could get arrested for any crime, speeding or slanging rocks. And I was like, well, all the other people do it. Since when has that been a legal defense? And I say Obama is worse than any other president. And the reason I say the Obama is worse than any other pregnant president, because up until Obama's election, the black community has been one of the most anti-war uh, demographics in the United States. The United States has been at perpetual war since Plymouth Rock fell on us. White people are in perpetual warfare. They define peace as preparation for war. So in a time where everybody else is like, well, we're at peace. There's no bombs dropping. There's no shots being fired. There's no boundaries or borders being crossed. And now we're at a time of peace. At that time, Europeans are preparing for war. They're building up their armaments. They're making uh, alliances. They're, they're scoping out and plotting out their next invasion. So there is no peace. There's war preparation for war, war preparation for war. There's never a time of peace for them. And you get mad at me. And you, if you can show me in their culture, you can show me in their history, I'll give you any period of time. And when they don't have foreign enemies, then they're doing tribal internal warfare. The majority of the world's resources, the majority of the world's intellect goes to preparation and armaments for war. You know, and I look online. And there was just this other kid. This kid was weird as hell. This young genius, this young black genius, little black kid. I ain't going to say his name. He's just, I mean, bless his heart. 
but he's like the smartest kid in the world now. This little black kid, and he's doing all this smart stuff. And he's like, I want to go to space, and I want to do this. And I'm like, you're going to go to MIT. You're going to go to one of these technological schools that are funded by the U.S. military, and all your brilliance is going to be war reoriented towards warfare and, and generation of profit. And I get so sick of black people bragging about little black geniuses. You know, I get so sick of black people posting this, these um, little films or news reports. Like, that's black pride. That's equivalent to me of, like, our brothers and sisters in Africa posting online uh, videos of their bauxite, of coltan, of gold and diamonds, posting videos of our resources going off to, to Europe going off to China, going off to the United States, and they're posting like, ooh, look at all of our gold going overseas. I'm so proud. We made it, y'all. Because that's the exact same thing when y'all show little black kids and little black geniuses going off to Harvard. Look at, the, look at the oppressor taking our resources off to there to be used as they see fit, to be refined, to be processed, to be manufactured and distributed for the interest of our enemies. Wow, look at that. I mean, y'all really weird for putting these black geniuses on. If anything, then when you find a little black genius, hide them away. Don't post them online. Don't call your local news. Oh, young black boy graduated college at 14 years old. That's a kid nobody should ever know exists. And we love showing videos of the black kid going off to Harvard, going off to MIT, going off to be a Rhodes Scholar. Where are the videos of them little, uh, let me watch my mouth, of those children, of those precious resources coming back? Where are the videos of them returning? Where are, where are the where are they now videos? Don't nobody know that. Since I was a child, I've been seeing ch these videos. Oh, where the little black, remember the brother, sister, genius chess players? And they were taking the chess world by storm. Two brilliant kids. Remember that weird black family in Florida? where they had like 12 kids, they were all homeschooled, they all played instruments, or family orchestra, they were all geniuses, all had 6.0 grade points. Where are they now? Because they go off to these white institutions and lose their goddamn minds, the macro-microaggressions, and they go fucking crazy. Or they get recruited by the CIA, the FBI, uh, Naval Intelligence, they become a cog in the corporate machine, generating, you know, writing code for Bezos to further exploit. So it's such a good story when we send off our resources. So it's really weird every time I see these posts of the little black geniuses. I don't say nothing because, I, like I said, I don't want to hate. I don't want to be hating on y'all parade. I don't know why black people take pride in this because, like I said, it would be equivalent. Nigeria has some of the sweetest crude oil. The Niger Delta is the Saudi Arabia of Africa. And they're going into that country, you know, just from oil revenues alone. Uh, 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 Nigeria should be have the wealthiest per capita income, the highest per capita income of any nation in the world. But the land is being polluted, ravaged, and they're not getting market rates. 
from the Niger Delta. And when people rise up to fight against the exploitation of the land, the Nigerian military comes in as a tack dog for corporations and kills those people. And that would be equivalent to a Nigerian brother or sister to go down to the Niger Delta and post online about how all that sweet crude is being. We've got the best oil in the world, highest quality, easiest to refine quality in the world. And look at it. They're putting it on a on a, a, a shell oil tanker, an Exxon oil tanker. And it's going off to refineries everywhere. And it's going to generate profits all over the world except for Africa, except for Nigeria. And they brag, because that's what we do. We go put a camera in the face of a little, this child is three years old, genius level IQ. 12 years old and already graduated high school and already accepted into Harvard, Princeton, Brown. Look at them go. Y'all weird for that. That is called, they have a, literally have a word for it called brain drain. Literally have a word for it. And say, look, we got black geniuses. And we don't have nothing for them except to, to, to package them up and hand them off to white folks. And while they're coming up for the few years we do have them, we don't even give them ideological. But why am I talking about that? Little nerdy ass kids. Anyway, I was talking about Obama and how black people still, because you, if you still think Obama, if you still celebrate Obama, if you look at Obama and Michelle with, and you start beaming with pride or black excellence or hashtags goals, then I know you, I'm not talking about you. You ain't no genius. You sure in the hell ain't no black genius. So <laughs> don't take offense. Because <laughs> I'm damn sure when I'm disparaging black geniuses, if you a black Obama fan, you know you ain't on that list. <laughs> you don't get offended. <laughs> okay, what was I talking about? Oh, Trump getting locked up. <laughs> yeah, Trump going to have to join the Aryan Brotherhood. You know, he going to be moving cigarettes. So anyway, and then, and then MAGA is threatened. They ready for MAGA this time. MAGA, y'all had one chance to do it that you took the white house by surprise you took the capitol had congress on the run and y'all dropped the ball maga fumbled the bag so here you know the <laughs> manhattan district attorney is like i wish y'all would come to new york with that shit this ain't dc dc <laughs> and trump's like yo everybody yo let's bum rush <laughs> let's all head to manhattan you imagine, I mean, the people who support Trump, where they from, y'all? Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, rural Louisiana, Appalachia, Arizona. Yeehaw! These, can you imagine hundreds of these white folks hitting, you know, they don't know. They're going to all end up on, on Flatbush in Brooklyn looking for the Manhattan DA office, Jamaica, Queens. Can you imagine that shit? Man, don't do it, MAGA. Y'all can pull that shit on the courtyard. Y'all can pull that shit in D.C. <laughs> Y'all can pull that. Don't do it. Stay up out of New York. I, I promise you. I lived in New York for over a decade. Don't do it. I, I, I swear, you know. 
Don't can you imagine? Even gentrified New Yorker is ready for that shit. Can you imagine a bunch of MAGA heads on Nostrand Avenue <laughs> in Harlem? Louisville, stop the steal. Yo, run, run, bumba clot. Yo, they get broke. You know, but the next day, you'd be little hood kids running around in MAGA hats tilted to the side and cowboy boots and shit. You know, West Indian ladies be using Confederate flags sewn into laundry bags. They just take all, uh, rob all they shit. It just can't, it's not going to work. It's it not work. Wait until he's brought up on federal charges, and then when he go to the Fed, then y'all go to the Fed, then y'all go to somewhere, state capital. If y'all going to bum rush New York, go upstate, white folks. MAGA, go up, go, go, go upstate, go to Albany. Go bum, don't come to Manhattan. Don't even try it. The trains, y'all never make it. These white folks, Trump supporters, are used to wide open spaces. They used to wide four lane highways. <laughs> and, you know, they rural America, stay out the cities. Because I know, man, I've moved from, from, from you know, Midwest to, to the big cities. I, and I know the shock. So it ain't going to work. Y'all not going to be able to go like when. White people, MAGA people went to the White House and went to to uh, to the to the National Mall and went to the to the legislative building and smeared feces on the wall. Don't you come to New York smearing feces nowhere. I just tell you, don't do it. Reconsider. Read some literature. <laughs> read some litter. <sighs> That's going to be good. I'm glad Trump's getting arrested. You know, not that I got much faith in any of this, but it's just interesting to watch. Trump is definitely trying to do the Hitler role. So Trump is following the Hitler playbook. So, you know, having an arrest and, and being made a, a political martyr definitely is going to more work in his favor more so than against. Because a lot of the charges that Trump is brought up on, people can't really understand them. Trump supporters don't understand. They talking fancy. They using these big words, claiming Trump did Trump didn't rob nobody. He didn't set no, you know, white Trump supporters. They understand what arson. <laughs> they understand arson. They understand murder. They understand grand theft. Like you bust in and steal a refrigerator or you steal a truck. They understand certain crimes. When you get up into them complex crimes, corporate crimes, paper gangstering, you know, offshore accounts, misallocation of funds. When you get to the complex crimes that Trump, the Trump people don't understand it, so they think it's made up. They think that, you know, they're just making up stuff. Embezzlement, that's a foreign word. That's a Chinese word. That don't sound like an American word. Multisyllable words and crimes Trump supporters don't understand. So they think Trump is innocent. They think the stuff they say, and they're not going to read them documents. They're going to go to Truth Social and read Trump's all caps post and they are thinking, wow, this just doesn't make sense to me. So it must not be true. That's what, that's how they function. If it don't make sense to my simple pea brain, my rural American inbred cousin fucking brain, then it can't be real. So they got to find Trump did something real simple and low key. And it can't be the Harvey Weinstein sexual assault stuff because they don't believe that happened. 
in MAGA world and the MAGA mentality, if a woman's touched, it's her own fault for tempting a man. And it is Adam and Eve, the evil Jezebel tempts the woman. So that's not going to work. You can't bring him up on it. You got to find Trump. Did Trump cook some meth? You know, did Trump steal a VCR or a microwave or a truck? If he can't be brought up on those charges, his supporters are going to be like, this is all made up. Trump is innocent because they're dumb as shit. Violent? Yes. Brutal? Yes. Dedicated? Yes. But dumb as rocks. Like what did Trump say? I love the poorly educated. He loves the poorly educated for a reason. So anyway, they got locked up. Anyway, shout out to Trump. That's why I dedicate Jailhouse Rock by Fat Boys and Locked Up by Akon. I got some good news for y'all. Very excited. I'm excited. As you know, I've started this new, uh, uh, I can't say bi-weekly, but twice a month broadcast called The Rational Radical. Um on Black Power Media, and the Rational Radical Show is on the first and third Wednesday of every month. And I think I got four shows in on the Rational Radical Show, and I have a new official co-host in in, uh, Skip Coon. You know, one of my favorite MCs will be co-hosting the Rational Radical Show which is I'm very excited about looking forward to it. You can find us on Black Power Media, Rational Radical, uh folder or whatever how they arrange the, the various show. So it's 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 uh it's going to be good. So welcome Skip Coon. Um looking forward to to um the show, the broadcast, reaching out to the people. I'm the revolutionary, he's the rapper. <laughs> like the I'm the DJ, he's the rapper. So Looking forward to to future rational radical shows. Uh, I think he brings a very unique perspective, you know. And if every Christian, because he is Jesus Christ, is he believes that Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior. And I mean, if you're gonna be a Christian, be a Skip's Coon quality Christian if you have to, you know. But anyway, <clears throat> that's the announcement. That's it for announcement. Ain't nothing new happened in my life. Same old shit. Same old grind. Um, Lance, one of my favorite, um, actors has died. Uh, Lance Riddick, he played the lieutenant on The Wire. But this is something y'all don't know. He's, he voices over shitty cartoons. There's like these really super shitty, uh, Paradise PD and, and what is it? Fazar, Farzar. There's, I mean, they're like the worst quality television, worst quality animation, the worst writing. He did voiceovers for that, and it was another show. But anyway, I watched that shit. <laughs> I wish the brother, that's the worst thing about him passing, is that I have to admit that I watched them shows. Farzar, I just finished the whole season. That's like my late, late, late night shit. You know, that's my super late night. Now, I didn't had dinner. I, I've had I've eaten dinner. I've had my nightly glass of water. I've done my nightly reading and note taking, and it's late, and I'm still up. I I will turn on Paradise PD <laughs> to put myself to bed, and that's that. That's that. So 
I've seen him, and he used to do voiceover on Farzar, and uh, he played the father, uh, the main character in Paradise PD. He played the 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 rival of the the love interest rival of the. But anyway, I even miss him more for that. So he's he's been like I like he's his voiceover animation voiceover work. I like that shit too. So anyway, rest in peace. Um, there are people. Uh, anyway, so no. People are running around saying he died of COVID because everybody remember him as a fit guy and said that, oh, he died of COVID. And anybody, I'm telling you, can't nobody die, can't nobody faint. You would swear, wasn't nobody dying or fainting before COVID vaccines. So the COVID hysteria, the COVID conspirators are all saying he died of the the COVID (laughs) vaccine, even though there's no evidence. Even though there's no evidence. And no one has confirmed his vaccine status, but they said if he was vaccinated, it would have been several months ago. And as I was reading up on vaccine side effects, it stated that um, the 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 side effects that there are side effects to the vaccines, but they occur within hours and at the most days, not months or weeks, you know, anaphylaxis and shit like that, uh, blood clots that that it's it it's not likely but every time especially someone uh famous uh dies they always now since the the implementation of the vaccines uh every time you know somebody famous dies of course vaccines and there's a whole laundry list of people who've died from everything from cancer to to um to um long-standing chronic issues and they say oh it's the the covid vaccine but his cause of death is called natural causes which tells you nothing when the media says someone died of natural causes that doesn't tell you how they died that just tells you how they didn't die because natural causes mean they they don't suspect that there was murder and they didn't die from an accident they could have died of of, of cancer they could have died of respiratory failure kidney failure they could have died from a myriad of things so i don't know why they're keeping this so hush hush i'm not sure why but you know they're keeping it on the down low but i've been watching just out of pure curiosity nothing more um the silicon valley <laughs> bailout but but you know shout out to him and uh condolences to his family um someone's asking me what happened to the politics and bullshit show and i'm like every time somebody asks me that i tell them to go talk to the co-host i'm here i'm still you don't ask the person who's there you don't ask the person who's there what happened you got to find a person who's gone i'm still here because i'd like to know that too you know I'd like to know that too, and I was even planning on carrying on the the politics and bullshit uh, broadcast with with the absence of the original co-host, but didn't seem like they were uh, they weren't in favor of that. So you y'all can't I can't tell y'all what happened to it. I can tell y'all what I did or didn't do. I showed up, and it was just me. It was that was supposed to be a two man show. And I show up, and the, the the other man wasn't there. I wish I had something. I wish I had, like, you know, when these other people uh, fall out, Yvette Carnell and 
Boyce Watkins. I wish you Lord, I'm going to expose him. I'm going to talk. I ain't got nothing to say. Most MCs today ain't got nothing to say. A to the motherfucking K. Just fizzled, I guess. Like I said, I was down. I was down. And I was there. I'm still here. I was there then, and I'm here now. And the other dude ain't here. You know? So, that's what happened. But I, I don't know. I y'all could y'all can find out and tell me what happened. And no, actually, let me give y'all a little history before we go on. Um <clears throat> let me give y'all a little history. I actually I'ma tell y'all what's really real. But then I don't know how much, because I could I there's a lot. There's some levels to this. But y'all curious, let me just tell I owe the people the truth. You gotta give the people what they want. So, I was a rank-and-file grassroots organizer, and that's all I would do. Just grunt work, other struggle, street-level organizing struggle. I didn't have no name. I didn't have no public presence. People that knew Bro Diallo knew me from the community and around the way, you know. And my social media was, was comic books and vegan junk food and video games and <clears throat> as i worked for years and years years and years in various organizations some that i co-founded some that i just joined and and just became a rake and file member i started to recognize that african people we didn't really have the appropriate analysis and ideology there were a lot of black people in the black community who were really willing to work. I meet black people that are willing to give their free time, they work jobs, they got family and kids, and they would work to, um, to advance the black people. But I thought that there, hey, shout out to, to, to uh, Saste, talking about the Boom Magazine. So you know, you've been around for decades. See, you taking us way back. I can't go back that far. I just got to give an overview. Because I don't even like that, what have you done in the community? I don't even like that shit. Like, it's a competition. Uh, but, <clears throat> so, as I was working, I kept running into this wall in terms of what could be done, what could be conceptualized and executed within the black community from an organic grassroots level in terms of fighting for liberation. And I started to observe again and again when I was organized, Chicago, New York, Kansas City, is that ideology was a big problem. Ideology was a big problem. We couldn't get to revolution because we didn't have revolutionary ideology. And you had people who wanted revolutionary change in society. You had people who were willing to fight and sacrifice and make commitments of time and resources. But there was this gap between what we wanted and where we were. There was no bridge. So anyway, I thought, man, we need advocacy for revolution. We need to <clears throat> articulate and advocate for ideological development because we're doing a lot of work, but we're expending a lot of energy. But because there's no real ideology, there's no real radical analysis coming. And it was out there. Believe you me, I'm not saying I started this. You know, there are textbooks, there are tapes everywhere. But it just wasn't 
disseminated. So I started this a magazine. I started to do, I say, I'm going to start committing to advocacy for revolution, advocating for revolution, articulating an ideology, laying down and reinforcing an ideological line to do the mental work, because I agree every day of my life from when I read those words in the Menticide papers that the Menticide is the biggest obstacle to black people's progress and Menticide is the number one threat to black people. So I was like, I'm going to fight against Menticide and make that a priority. <clears throat> so as you know, so I stay in the comments, we started a magazine, we started a media company called Guerrilla Media. And in Guerrilla Media, we would go all literally all over the country and getting these archive videos, these archive recordings, many of them lost, many of them degraded, and, 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 and we would digitize them. So we had these reel-to-reels, we had cassette tapes, we had VHS, we had vinyl, we had uh, uh, Blu-ray, all this old technology, and we digitized it. We put it on DVDs and CDs. So we would take the old media and put it on the new media. We label it and we distribute it all over the country via the internet. We go to festivals and get this information. We had a magazine out and we published, self-published this Boom magazine and we were going to just get and do the ideological work. And I tell you, a lot of this stuff, uh, 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 um, Dr. Uh, Barashango, uh, er, a lot of the early Claude Anderson stuff, a lot of the a lot of the stuff you see on YouTube now, it came from people who got it from us. Like back in the early 2000s, Guerrilla Media, we were at the festival and the people were showing us love. And so disseminating the information and I that kind of became my mission. And <clears throat> one day I got a call from Biddle, the co-host of Um, he was co-host of Politics and Bullshit. And Biddle calls me and was like, yo, I want you to come in uh, and, and do my show. I got a new radio show. It's called Zero to 100. And I was like, cool, I'll come do the show. So I got up early one morning and went to the Q4 Radio Studios. First time I'd ever been there. I had heard about Q4 and Multicultural. I had heard about it and the various things about Q4, just organizing here with the Chicago Agenda and the Bloom Collective and the various things we were doing. And every now and then we would be organizing something with interesting thoughts or freedom fighters. And uh, somebody was like, oh, we should send a uh, blurb to Multiculti or we should promote an event and we can hold it at their facility or we send something to Q4 Radio and they can get it out on the airways and promote this and that. So I heard about it, but I didn't I had no idea about nothing with Q4. So anyway, I show up, and it's uh, um, Black Star to under, the Underground and, and, and the co-host. I can't remember the brother's name. And I walked in, and I thought this was an established radio show. I'd done a few interviews before, but I didn't really do nothing too public. Right? So anyway, I walk in there, and it was their first broadcast. And I thought I was coming in there to be interviewed about the, the Chicago agenda or the Bloom Collective and our various effort. I thought he was just calling because I had been on the other radio show, the other radio station here, the black radios, WVON. I had been interviewed there on a couple of their shows, uh, um, the, the Green Entrepreneur Show, talking about 
you know, sustainable uh, entrepreneurialism or green entrepreneurialism. And so I've been on interviewed a couple of times on our projects at local media outlet. But then he was like, I sat down and we did the show and he was like, I see you next week. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, I want you to co-host this show. It's like eight years ago. And I was like, oh, word. I say, well, I didn't know. I thought I was just coming in for an interview. So I co-hosted the show. From then, that was my first launch. It was uh, uh, on the Zero to 100 radio show. But not to get into people's business, uh, Biddle um, started falling out with, with the people who ran and operated Q4. And Q4 is like a community activist thing. It's not a commercial radio station. It's like, you know, a, a collective. It's a communal collective thing. We all participate. We all, it ain't really like, you got people that manage the technical aspects and people who put out the content, but it's a cooperative collective thing. It's not a top-down management thing, but he was falling out with the people here. And so I was just a co-host on the Zero to 100 show. I didn't deal with none of the backroom stuff. I didn't deal with none of the technical stuff. I'd show up and sit on the side, and I didn't even run the boards or anything. So long story short, Biddle started falling out with the people, and Biddle was like, I could shut this whole shit down, and which is what he did. He was like, I'm not happy with A, B, C, and D. I'm not happy with the things going on here. And he had been threatening to shut down the Zero to 100 show or take it to another station. And I wasn't even involved in that. I would just show up on, I didn't come to any of the station meetings or anything. I would just show up on, I think it was Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And Biddle was like, I'm out. I'm taking my show to Milwaukee. So he went to Milwaukee with the Zero to 100 show. And I'm like, I'm not about to drive two hours to do this show, man. You know, ain't no way. So anyway, he was like, oh, whatever, man deuces i'm out so he took the show and if you could go and find those archives he started shooting the zero to 100 radio show without bro diallo you know i'd been the co-hosting the show from day one but he he lifted it up and moved it got another co-host and moved on and i got a call from the two from the uh q4 radio folks and they were like yo you're going to take that time slot are you going to continue with the time slot and biddle's absent and i'm like i hadn't planned to I had not planned to, but I'm like, cool, I'll just, and so I contacted Biddle and was like, yo, I'm going to go do just, and they, and they, he would call me Bro Diallo, and he'd say, Bro Diallo, I was just Diallo before the radio, and then he would call me, Biddle would call me Bro Diallo, so I was talking to Biddle, and I'm like, yeah, and he was like, yeah, whatever, that's them. And so that's how the Bro Diallo show started. I went from the co-host, and I just moved over one seat, and I kept the same time slot. Wednesdays, you know, before the pandemic and all that. And so I was doing Bro Diallo's show, and Biddle and I had always talked. Biddle would come down from Wisconsin, and he'd go out and get a drink. He'd call me, yo, I'm in town, let's get a drink. So he called me, he was like, yo, we need to... Uh, come back to something and and you know i've time has opened up and some things i've rearranged some things i want to come back and redo zero to 100 and so we had talked for over a year back and forth about um 
doing bringing back zero to 100. But then I would I think we kind of both agreed. I'm not sure. It's like, well, zero to 100 was a thing and it was a thing when it was a thing. But that was years ago. Let's think of something else. Let's move forward instead of going trying to go backwards. And that's when when you sat down and uh, I came up with with the uh, politics and bullshit. And what do you think? He was like, oh, I like that. Came up with a logo. We came up with a time slot. We started doing some pre-production on program, going back and forth, texting, calling, because he was still up there. And I said, yo, you want to do this? Let's do this. So we, that's when we started to, the politics and bullshit show. And you saw what happened there. We set up everything we needed for the broadcast. We talked to the people here at Q4 Radio um, and, and, and got the empty Wednesday night empty time slot. And uh, we sat here and did the show. And I'd show up one Wednesday, and it was just me. So I was like, okay, I'll push forward. And he would call. I was like, yo, I can't come down this week. I can't do this. I can't do that. And eventually, I just stopped hearing from him. Eventually, I just stopped hearing from him. And then... Um, I still had that Wednesday night open. I had opened up my schedule to do a Wednesday night broadcast when I was working for him and did that for over a year to open up that time slot and all that. So I'm like, damn, you know, I got this open slot. And so I called Biddle and said, listen, you know, I got a uh, invitation from Black Power Media. And I want to take politics and bullshit to Black Power Media. And he said, no. Uh uh-uh shut it down kill it and i said cool it it, it, because if politics and bullshit it was our thing and just like last time zero to 100 so i said uh that's when i came up with rational radical for wednesday night and that was the last conversation we had he told me uh last time i reached out to him i was like yo and he said i'll call you the weekend That was like three weeks ago, three weekends ago. He said, I'm going to call you back this weekend. He didn't call back. So that's where it is. So actually, I got my start co-hosting with him on his show like eight years ago. And when he shut his show down, I started my show. And then we came back. He reached out to me and said, let's let's build this back up. So we started again and then it petered out again. So I don't think, you know, that's where we stand. You know, and he said that he had a lot going on and this and that. But when before we started, I said, yo, you are you a- available to do this? You know, if you start it, we're going to run it. But that's that. So it ain't it's I wish it was an interesting story. I wish I, there was more intrigue, scandal, <laughs> sex, drugs and rock and roll. I wish it was a more interesting. But every week I get that question. Where's politics and bullshit? What happened to Biddle? Y'all have to ask Biddle what happened to Biddle because he's a good distance away. He's in another city. But when we first started, it was really good. I come here. He'd always beat me here. He'd come from like a two hours away. to, And I'd pull up at the radio station. He'd already be here. So shit was going good. It was all good just a week ago. But I can't tell you nothing beyond that. So, um, that's where we at. And so I started Rational Radical, 
And then I uh, had to, to, to talk to, I had uh, Skip Coon to come and tell me about the madness that is the, the Jim Crow flies again. And he was like, yo, I'll come on and co-host it with you. So, you know, we all, it's all good, see? When the Lord closes the door, he opens a window. <laughs> so that's that. Like I said, to me, I don't talk about it because it's just not an interesting story. But I guess if I get enough people asking me about it, I got to tell it. But like I said, I'm not trying to inflate the story to say more than what it is or trying to uh, that. But people have been around, you know, like like uh, James, people have been around for a minute. Yeah, it's going to be a minute. <laughs> so uh, people have been around for a minute know that... Uh, kind of played how it played out but you know i'm not the type of dude to be like it like i said there's not nothing really there's never really been between biddle and i any type of blow up or big confrontation or anything like that you know like i said if if it was interesting or if something comes up <laughs> if something does come lit some some drama worthy shit comes up i'll tell you about it but anyway that's it that's how i started off with zero to one hundred and when, when Biddle shut that down, I continued on in the 0 to 100 time slot doing the Bro Diallo show. And then he reached out to me to reinvigorate or relaunch 0 to 100. But we decided let's just, you know, come with something brand new since that's kind of old and dated. And then that also played out the same way the first show played out. So, but, you know, just keep going. You know, he'd be, he'd be pulling Lauren Hill on me. <laughs> be going he pulled a michael jackson i'm i was nothing i was i was the pip he was gladys knight <laughs> he was mikey i was jack i was tito he was michael you know i'm Proz. he's lauren so you know people be going solo <laughs> what do you want from me i can't force nobody to do nothing anyway let's talk about real failures like the silicone bank so now three major banks, Silicon uh, Valley Bank, Silvergate Bank, and Signature Bank in, um, in uh, the big tech banks have all collapsed. Um, and that the U.S. government is giving $300 billion to, to uh, secure the deposits of, of the wealthy people um, because, again, uh, if you, I talked about FDIC on the last show, right? So if you have any money in the bank, the federal government guarantees, this is Great Depression era policy, New Deal, FDR policy. If you have money in the bank, the government will insure your money. And I thought, I just looked this up. I thought it was $150,000. Any money you had in the bank above 150000 you was just a loss, but it's 250 quarter of a million, which is more generous than I would have been if I was the, the ruler of America. And so $250,000 and that only covered <laughs> that only covered 7% of all deposits, less than 10% of all deposits of all the depositors in that bank. Only 7% of that would have covered 
were was uh would have been covered by the 250 so 93% of the money in silicon signature bank and and what's that seagate that's the latest the what uh silvergate so the government is inflating the insurance by 100% almost 93% to cover these people's deposits so if i got 8 million dollars in C- silvergate bank and the bank has gone belly up. Instead of getting just back two hundred and fifty thousand, I get back uh, my entire eight million dollars, just like that. And it it's bipartisan. That's the thing. You know, they act like the Democrats and the Republicans just can't work together. But they can work together when it comes to defending the capitalists, saving the capitalists from their own poor investment. And there's no outrage about this. And much of this money isn't even going to like, don't think, well, people who lived in Silicon Valley and flip burgers, you know, a barista from the Silicon Valley Starbucks, you know, is going to get their full eight million back because working class people don't have two hundred and fifty thousand dollars anywhere and if a working class person does have that kind of money it's not a liquid asset it's not cash in the bank that shit is in uh, savings that's sh- in terms of uh pension plans that shit is locked up in their house and car and that shit is just not boost the mic y'all can't hear me how's that I'll turn up the monitor a little bit somebody told me to boost the mic i didn't know y'all can't hear me but you don't hear me though. Anyway, um, more than half the people in the Silicon Valley Bank were equity firms. These were equity firms. This ain't even individuals putting the money they earn in the bank. These are vulture capitalists, people who engage in high-risk investment for a high rate of return. So it's companies. When that FDIC insurance was meant to protect workers, factory workers, that was there to protect uh, um, individuals and small businesses and multinational corporations. And immediately, without any type of pushback, and you notice how the Republicans are already gearing up to get into a fight about raising the debt ceiling for the federal government. Because if they don't raise the debt ceiling, that can threaten Social Security. That can payouts. That can threaten housing, HUD payouts. That can threaten welfare benefits, Medicaid and Medicare benefits. So when it comes to the people and what the people need, they're willing to play and tug of war. They're ready to play politics when it comes to the resources for the people. And even when they play that whole, we're not going to raise the debt ceiling, they always have set-asides for the military so that military funding isn't disrupted or reduced. And the only thing they start targeting is like, well, if you want us to raise the debt ceiling, you got to cut Medicare, you got to cut Medicaid, you got to cut housing, you got to cut the EPA even more. You got to hollow out the agencies that serve the working class people and reinforce the, the government agencies that support multinational corporations. And so this shit is not, there's not even an outcry anymore. I think the people are just exhausted. This naked corruption. This isn't even corruption. It's class warfare. 
That's why I think it's so sad that so many people from my community, so many black people want to be rich, strive to be rich. It's so weird to me. And do you ever ask yourself, you black people who are going to secure the bag, you black people who listen to earn your leisure and follow these financial gurus, you people who listen to Steve Harvey tell you you can't sleep and you, you can't sleep, you can't eat. You can't go to the bathroom. Steve Harvey's out here giving advice on success that will literally kill you. And lying to you about how he got. You can't tell me. Look look at that man's lustrous skin, supple skin. You know he rests well his whole career. <laughs> Fucking minstrel. You know. When really the key to success, Steve Harvey's find out what white folks think is funny and then do it. <laughs> Perform for white folks. That's how you get rich. But anyway, you black people who want to get rich and all this stuff you have to do to get rich. What do rich people do to stay rich? You ever ask yourself that? You have because the whole point of getting rich is so you don't have to work. Because the whole point of getting rich is so that when you get rich, you don't have to grind so the moment you get rich the whole point of getting rich and the rich people lie to you and tell you i don't get i don't stop working elon musk is like the ceo of six different countries can you imagine working six jobs a ceo is not a fucking job that's the only way you could be i can you could you like ceo is supposed to be this hard job which is why they get dividends and stocks and get uh paid eight figure salaries but how are you going to be CEOs of three, four, five major companies? And working class people know if you were working a real job, you can be lucky to do two of them halfway decent. But all you people who want to get rich, ask yourself, what do the rich people do? Do they keep working? What's the point? But they don't work. So the way they get rich, the way, let me tell you how, getting wealth is one thing, but staying wealthy is a whole nother. That's why a lot of times when people win the lottery, or a lot of times people put out a hit record, they go viral or something and they get millions of dollars and they lose it because even what it takes to get rich is a different skill set to maintain wealth. I mean, the long and short of it is to maintain wealth, rich people don't, just like we look up to them, to get rich, they look down on us to stay rich. They engage in class warfare. They rape the resources from the people. They exploit our labor and they try to work us to exhaustion. They invest in our exploitation from private prison to military armaments. Rich people are nothing to admire. Rich people are our enemies. And it's just so weird that working class people look up to rich people with anything other than contempt and hostility. It's really weird to me. It's really weird to me. We should be working to make sure that there are fewer rich people. It is a 90% chance that when you're born, the class you're born into is the class you will die in. And for the first time in U.S. history, it's likely, more likely to die lower on the class status. So if you're born into a family 
with two college-educated parents who own their house and own a car and have relatively manageable, manageable little to no debt, you're going to be a person that can't even achieve that. So you won't even be able to maintain the class you're in, let alone ever elevate. But there's so much media, rash the riches story, pursuit of happiness propaganda to tell you that, hey, there's a formula for you. And every time out of the 10,000 people trying to get rich, they take the one person who does get rich and then show them as the model for everybody while ignoring all the other people. I got a brother who all his life, all he's done is try to get rich. Broke, and, and he's the real story. He's the real outcome that most of us. He's done everything from construction, dump trucks. He's tried to uh, concert promotion, promotion, uh, artist management. I mean, I got an older brother who does everything in his power to get rich and not he doesn't work for money. He doesn't work for a fulfillment. He works to get rich. And every time I go home. He sits me down and tells me his latest and it's not get rich quick. I'm not talking about he's doing get rich quick shit. I mean, he's investing. He buys a fleet of trucks. He gets the tarps. He buys the lot. He gets the contracts. He's on some. He tries to, you know, and he reads these books. He follows these gurus. He's done real estate. And then when he was going to buy real estate, he's like, well, I'm going to do construction and painting and rehabbing so I could do that myself. Dude, literally killing himself. And I'm like, if you were just working to be productive, you'd probably be healthier and better. But I see I had another cousin. Who was going to get rich and he was doing Bitcoin, he was trying to do the modern slick shit. Trade stock trades. You know, options market, all this shit to get rich. And I tell you, just look at your own people in your own circle, the people who are trying to get rich. Most of them fail. And the few who do get rich, they go on social media and lie about how they get rich and they lie about how rich they are. They, they don't call it the one percent elite. And most people that get rich, they get rich because they get a high paying job that they're able to stick to for years and years and years. That pursuit of happiness bullshit is bullshit. But all that aside, rich people are our enemies, not our role models. Because even if they get rich, they get a high income, they secure, they invent a product. Once they get that money and fiat currency depreciates. So they have to stay rich. And the only way they stay rich is to look down on us. We look up to them and try to emulate them to get rich. The rich people look down on us and suppress us. One of the key uh, formulas to staying rich and expanding your wealth is preventing other people from getting rich and competing against you. So they, they, they destroy. Uh, Ted Turner was a big time media mogul. Before all these other media people, he was a big time media. I think he invented CNN and ESPN. Ted Turner had even said he was a billionaire. And he was like, listen, if I was starting out today, I could never do what I did. Because people like me, once we got up here, 
we started implementing, uh, putting barriers to entry into the market. They remember that when Internet started, all you got to do is sit down, learn a little coding, create an Internet a website. And then when you create a website and you see, find a good product to sell and build these relationships and you, too, can get it on the Internet economy. And when the big Internet companies say we shutting all that shit down. That's what all they do, well, no matter the industry. It used to be you could go out into a field and, and get your own little oil, small oil companies. You can start your own little mining company. You can start your own little food distribution and go and talk directly to farmers. That shit gets shut down. It becomes a monopoly immediately. The first thing rich people have to do to get rich is to make sure everyone else stays poor. Our poverty is their wealth. Our desperation to work for them. Our desperation to have to give them our resources to sustain. Our desperation and poverty is their wealth. And we're looking up to them. They are parasites. Rich people are parasites. We shouldn't strive to be them. We should strive to defeat them. I'll say one more time. We should not be striving to be rich. We should strive to defeat the rich. Because that's what they're doing. They're striving to defeat us. This is class warfare. And now it's to the point, billion-dollar bank bailouts, it's not even headline news. Well, bank fell, billion-dollar bailout, 300, I'm saying $300 billion. There's been $300 billion that's been taken from Starbucks baristas, from school teachers, professors, small business owners, that have been taken from the masses and given to the few. Reverse democracy. And nobody's flinching. No, there's not a march. Ain't a brick been thrown. I remember the savings and loan scandal. Remember savings and the SNL scandal? Scandal pun scandal. I'm not even about to start running down the scandals because time is getting away from me. But now they do this shit butt naked in the open. And instead of the people being outraged, the people are like, damn, I wish I was in a position. I should have gotten in. I should have bought in. Class, lack of class consciousness is really hurting us. Let's talk about the day. I mean, I've already started talking about the topic. Today's topic is white lies. White lies. These are white lives, the myths that dominate and endanger us. Last week, I was talking about a lot of delusions that black people have about our orig origins and lineage. And this concept of a hotep. And the hotep is a derogatory term that is a black person who has these grand delusions of grandeurs about what it means to be black, the what it means, where black people came from, and who black people are. We was all kings and queens. We invented everything. We're original to, to America. All these delusional identities that black people invent or cling to in order to solve the pain of being an oppressed and dehumanized race of people, a defeated, depressed, and oppressed and dehumanized people. But I had pointed out in that that this concept of hotepery did not originate with black people. And, and we literally are delusions and of, of our history and distortion of who we are and who we was pales in comparison to white people. 
But we don't look at white people's delusions the same way. Why? Because Huey P. Newton said power is the ability to define reality and have it act in a desired manner. Since they have the power, their delusions become our reality. And they are able to sanction and even kill people who do not accept their fantasies. So I can sit and say, I'm a king. I come from kings and queens, and I am a black king. I am God. I'm a leg, leg, arm, head. I am God body. I can say all this shit about who I am as an African man, as an aboriginal black man. But if I say I am divine God Allah, and I get with some other cult that has this grand concept, where does my wrath come from? George Bush, the white men in the government can kill and topple whole nations. So when they say I'm a king, they don't even have to say it. They just change. Well, I'm a CEO. I'm a I'm a baron. I'm a magnate. Right. So when they say the false, when they act out. This what what we would call when we do it, hotepery. They follow through on it. But it doesn't mean it's still not a lie, that it's still not a delusion. Right? So I was just thinking about this, all these white lies, all these things that are just no, have no, uh, they don't resonate with reality, objective, material, evidence-based reality, things that are either blatantly false or that break down with the least bit of examination that we hold to be true. And when I talk about white lies, this isn't just something that white people hold to or white people promote. Most black people adhere to these lies as well. Promote these lies. Construct their whole life around these lies. So, these are the lies that we accept as reality, as well as white people. But they're really to our detriment. And to be honest, white lies are to the detriment of white people, too. But I can't speak to white people. I mean, your own psychologists, your own social scientists have been telling white people for generations now, it's been revealed, that the white race has a death urge. The white race has a death urge. And they say it gently. Some of the white scholars will say it's a, it, the culture has a death urge. It's an omnicidal culture, so they don't like to say the people, so they depersonal, they kind of detach it from the individual, so the individual white people are sensitive as fuck. You know? Now, white folks, they don't have a problem with profiting from racism, but don't call them racist. They, they're very easy to hurt. And they're going to run around coming up, oh, these snowflakes that need safe spaces. <laughs> the bugger got no shame. The bugger got no shame. One of the biggest white lies is I'll get into it. The myth. And it's not just, like I said, it's not just that their lies are just untrue. They are very harmful. And they don't just harm black folks. They don't just harm white folks. They harm entire nations, entire ecosystems, entire species. 
And the big lie and the, and the order that I call out these white lies and you got to call you got to acknowledge that black people adhere to in fact the white lies that came into my life were taught to me by black people. I came up in an all black community. I had all black teachers until I was put in special ed. They put me in special ed. That was my first white teacher and I was in there for for a school year. But I had I say all except for my from 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 preschool to 12th grade, all black teachers, all black students. I went to all black schools, had all black teachers, lived in an all black community, but I was thoroughly fed white lies and indoctrinated into the white lies. So this ain't a white problem anymore. It ain't been a white problem for the longest time. They've made their problems, their delusions, our problems. So anyway, let's get to some specific white lies for those taking notes. One of the big white lies is white lawfulness and black criminality. The white people are law-abiding. I live in the city of Chicago, and I, I, I point this off often because it just it stays with me. Chicago frequently um, is frequently identified as one of the safest cities in America. And at the same time, throughout the nation, when you think of crime and violence and gangs, you also think about Chicago. So the contradictory reality of being the safest city for white people and the most violent and dangerous cities for black people, and this literally a block-to-block basis. If you go somewhere like the University of Chicago campus, this is a campus on the south side of Chicago. That's in the hood. And in the middle of all this carnage, homicide, daily homicides, robbery, poverty, malnutrition, death, premature death uh, uh, from chronic diseases. You have one of the premier medical schools and medical centers, University of Chicago hospitals, and some of the worst schools that, well, they closed all the schools down, but some of the worst performing schools just literally blocks away from one of the most prestigious universities where they fucking split the out and made the first nuclear fusion reaction on that highest, uh, you know, the, the economics, the, the Chicago School of Economics is worldwide. So literally blocks away. I could literally stand on the soil of some of the most prestigious and affluent ground in, in the white culture and, and close enough to throw a rock to some of the most intensive black poverty. I could throw rock from wealth to poverty. I could take five big steps and be from a million dollar homes to, 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 to mold infested, rat infested projects. Right up to each other. Right there. If you go up to one of the, the, the mid-level university campus buildings, you can look out to, to from, from there, you can look southeast and you'll be looking at old block less than a one train stop away two bus stops away and they have this like oh this affluent white lawfulness next to this black criminality and the reason why black people are the criminals and white people are looked at as lawful even despite what's in our daily doses and daily exposure is because white people write the laws it is wrong. It is unlawful. It is criminal for me to go in and grab a bag of bread, that nasty, that bread, Wonder Bread. 
It is unlawful for me to go and steal a package of Wonder Bread to feed my family. But it is not unlawful for them to manufacture this bread that literally causes uh, um, that causes your glucose levels to tank. That causes your endocrine system to be rewired. That is addictive. That that instead of nourishing your body, it, it, it causes malnutrition. It leaches minerals and, and nourishment from. So a multinational corporation can distribute a toxic product that is killing and making people sick all over the country. Lawful. And I could be a CEO, I can be an accountant, a lawyer for the multinational corporation that owns the IP of Wonder Bread. I can own those toxic factories. So in that bread that I steal, I commit one small crime in stealing that loaf of bread. But in that package of bread, in a just society, there are a thousand crimes, environmental crimes, labor crimes, biological, neurological crimes against the person who consumes the bread. Advertising this food as healthy, another crime. Oh, nourish your family and putting these commercials out, serving little babies this toxic-ass, white, refined, processed bread. And then I can go to lobby the Congress and say, hey, there are some chemicals in this bread. I don't want to put it on the ingredients list because it's it's my property. It's intellectual property. And so changing the disclosure and ingredient ingredients requirements, manipulating the, the, the FDA and, and and policies to say manipulate them to say, hey, let's change up the food pyramid. Not for human nutrition, but we're going to get the food pyramid to reflect our commodities. We have an abundance of grain and corn, so we're going to put grains way up, even though it should maybe be fresh fruit and vegetable. They manipulate the food pyramid. They're literally causing not just the death, but the crippling of chronic diseases all over the world. But I steal a bag of bread, and that bag of bread within to manufacture and distribute that bag of bread, a million crimes are committed. But I go to jail when the manufacturer, the CEO, the distributor, the advertising firms that, that promoted and, and, and motivated me to get this type of bread as opposed to that type of bread, they are lawful. White people, capitalists, the elites, the people who never see the inside of jail cells, who never have a threat of going to jail, are extremely criminal, but they're lawful. Being lawful is not the same thing as being moral, being just. It doesn't even mean that you're not a criminal. It's just that you conduct yourself within the limitations that you set for yourself. And they have trouble sticking to the laws that they wrote in their own favor for themselves. So one of the biggest lies that when you close your eyes and say somebody imagine a criminal and a black face comes up and it's us too. I have a friend that I grew up with. I've known him since we were in the third grade. Just a normal dude round the way. He grew up in the projects, but most project kids are more like you'll find more De La Soul than N.W.A. in the projects, which is another thing they don't promote. We just get ignored. Now I see in the media they're starting to show the true nature of poor black people, poor black kids. But it's just a dude I grew up. He went to the college prep school, you know, Relatively above average student. He played, he ran track and field, he played football, he played basketball, just lived his life. And then one day, 
you know, I get a call from his cousin. He was locked up in jail. Nothing. He did four months in, in, in jail. And when he got out of jail, he said, my whole life I've been waiting to go to jail. My entire life I've been expecting and waiting to go to jail. And he said, I couldn't really function. I really couldn't make plans in my life because I was like, I'm going to go to jail. My cousins have been to jail. My father had been to prison. My, my older brothers, everybody been to jail. And I'm like, I'm going to go to jail. And even though, and I remember when we were little kids, me, I, I don't know how many names. I know uh, uh, my, my, my big homie, my OG, day one, Rip, Rip the Crip. Rip was there, me and Rip and our other little homies, we would go around stealing. We would go to 7-Eleven and steal candy. We would go to uh, uh, Sears and steal toys and G.I. Joes. We were little thieves. We were vandals. We'd go around little spray painting. We would do little, we were constantly engaged in black criminality, this low-level crime shit. And this particular person I'm talking about, he didn't do that shit. He didn't steal. He didn't try to jack or juke the, the arcade machine, so he would put his, his token or his quarter in the arcade. He would pay for his candy bar while we had pockets full of stuff. And we used to tease him for that, for being such a square. We used to make fun of dude for that. But anyway, he said, my life didn't start. And after he did this four-month jail stint, he went on to college, got his degree, uh, moved to the big city, started working for a major firm, and just his life began. But because of the system and the indoctrination that he came up under, we don't talk anymore. I ain't spoke to him in years, but, you know, we came up together, same neighborhood. You know, he's kind of friendship that you just, you instead of like the long lasting, it's just the kind of friendship we're in the same space at the same time, might as well hang out together. But it just really hit me how black people, the specter of jail and prison is always over us. You could be the most law abiding uh, uh, Uncle Tom Negro, uh, 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 church going, uh, uh, bill pay. But the cops get behind you. I've been in cars with, with wealthy black people. I've been in cars with black folks, with do black doctors and Ph.D.s. Cop, get behind you. Got a cousin, wealthy cousin, drives an Audi through the most affluent neighborhoods in it and ain't never broke a law, ain't never jaywalked. Cop, get behind you. They get nervous. And I know white boys. When I used to work out in Raytown, Missouri, I had this job, Symphony Mobilex. And I was working this job for this, this, this mid-level corporation out there in Raytown, Missouri. And white boys was out there just engaged in nonstop crime. They were taking VIN numbers out. And these are corporate white boys. I'm not even talking about the rednecks. I'm not talking about moonshiners. I'm talking about white boys with college degrees. Douchebags, you know, pinstripe suit and slicked backed hair. They were all doing crimes on a daily basis and not just the bump of coke. I mean, they would be taking VIN numbers off the car. They would be going out to the freight train and getting cargo off the freight train and, 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 and duties and taxes, avoiding, you know, import duties. Like, engaged in crimes I didn't know existed. 
and never thought about the police. Never thought about jail or getting arrested or anything, and they were all engaged in some form of criminality. All of them. In fact, the guy, my, the guy who hired me was embezzling corporate money and bought himself a boat, a fishing boat, and a speed boat. I didn't even know there were different types of boat. I didn't know the boat you went fast on the water in was different than the boat you go slow in to catch fish. He had like three different types of boats. He was still in dungeon, and you know what they did? They transferred. They didn't even fire him. They transferred him from, from the uh, uh, Raytown to, to, to the northern Missouri uh, uh, offices. They didn't fire. They didn't try. They were like, oh, we got you. He ah, oh, you caught me. <laughs> okay. While they locking up black people left and right and got black people thinking we're the criminal class, thinking we're the bad guys. We the gangsters. Dale Jones said gangsters don't wear sneakers. So that's one of the biggest lies. And then you got white boys on the Internet. They have this 1350. They have this 1350, which is a racist trope where they say black people only represent 13 percent of the U.S. population, but we commit 50 percent of the crimes. It's just these black people are just people who are unwilling and unable to obey the laws of the land. So that's one of the lies, the white lies that the white lies that dominate and endanger us this myth of white lawfulness and black criminality and a lot of black people push that shit too you got black people trying to work hard to move into white neighborhoods you got black people doing everything in their power including uh, uh, changing their face address to send black kids to white schools I know some people personally don't make me call y'all names Some of y'all, oh, my kid, you know, I mean, black people, conscious, cultural black people supposed to be socialist conscious. And you see them and they send in, they pack up their kids and ship them north. The white folks is up north and send their kids to the whitest white schools. And then bring their kids home and take them to the Juneteenth celebration as if your kid don't know you cooning, as if that makes up. For what you're doing to them and how you raising them taking them to Kwanzaa after shipping them to be up under white folks all damn school year, and then you take them to the local Kwanzaa celebration. And they can't be educated. They can't socialize around their own people. They only around their own people for, for official holi black holidays. I wish the blood clot I would. So anyway, let's move on. Let's move on to another white lie that, that black people accept. Fiat currency. Money is not real. And I'm going to have to speed run this. I don't have much time left. Oh, I didn't even do. This is Q4 Radio. This is the Bro Diallo Show on Q4 Radio. Uh, uh, Q-U-E, Q the number four dot org. You can listen local on the airways, or you can go live and direct from almost anywhere in the world uh, through Q4 Radio. You can also catch Bro Diallo Broadcast and all the other Bro Diallo media empire. Um, I broadcast and... Um, partner here with Q4 Radio, also with um, Black Power Media, uh, with the Earn Your Liberation show every Friday and every first and third Wednesday, the um, Rational Radical show. Please help to sustain the Bro Diallo broadcast. Um, shout out to my Patreons. You can become a Patreon, Diallo Kenyatta slash 
I mean, Patreon slash Diallo Kenyatta, Cash App, uh, and Venmo for one-time donations. You can also go to African World Order to get your Bro Diallo merch, mugs, and all those good things. So please support. I am 100% listener supported. I have no sponsorships. I ain't doing no deals under the tables. I ain't trying to sell y'all nothing. I'm just trying to engage in rational, radical analysis and advocate for African people to liberate ourselves. So I'm listener supported and I'll be here as long as the listeners support. Okay. Now that's out of the way, way late. Uh, Let's move on to fiat currency. It is not real. Bitcoin is not real. Cash is not real. It is made up and it is not enforced or backed by anything than the white people's capacity to do violence. Money is only backed by capacity to commit violence. What does that mean? If you do not acquiesce to the money system, then you cannot buy, sell, or trade, or engage in any type of commercial activities. If you are unable to engage in commercial activities, you will not have food, clothing, shelter, or transportation. And if you try to secure food, clothing, and transportation by any other means other than engaging with their artificial fiat, someone will come to detain you, to bind you, or to kill you. This is nothing more than high-tech barbarianism. This does not have to be. The money economy, the buy and sell economy is, is not here in order for any other reason than to justify the looting of people's labor by the elites. We can very well have a cashless society and orient production not for profit, but orient production of food and other essential services around satisfying people's needs as opposed to enriching the few. But we can't even engage in that because so many people have accepted this lie as a material fact. And we have people, our whole generation of children being raised up on media where people flashing these dollars and fanning these dollars. And tightly tied to the whole myth of fiat currency is the concept of self-made millionaires and billionaires. One thing I have to give Obama credit for is that you didn't build it uh, scandal. Obama came up and was talking about uh, his promoting a new taxation policy. And he basically was trying to articulate to people that if you are a wealthy person or a person of status in the United States, then you are not a person who built something on your own. You are a person who has greatly benefited from the collective inputs of the masses of the people more than everyone else. And he was pushing the whole concept to whom much is given, much should be respect, uh, accepted in return. Of course, Obama wasn't following through on any of this rhetoric. It was just campaign rhetoric. But it outraged his detractors and that whole you didn't build it. And so Obama basically articulated to the capitalists, even though you own the trucks, the road, without the road and without the street signs and without the, uh, 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 the publicly paid for police, without all the public infrastructure, your personal brilliant idea, your personal brilliant investment would not be able to function without the inputs of the rest of society. So you shouldn't be able to function in society. If you are extracting a lot from society, society can also ask something of you. There is no such thing as a self-made millionaire, self-made billionaire, the myth that these some guy tinkering in a garage 
whether it's Thomas Edison or Bill Gates, they all have this myth is that I just tinkered away on an idea. I had an idea. Nobody believed in me, but I stuck to my guns and I overcame. That is a myth. There is no such thing as a self-made millionaire or billionaire. The rich people are the most dependent people. They require the most. A lot of these uh, girl bosses, they don't tell you, well, I'm a girl boss. They don't tell you about the nanny. They don't tell you about the personal maid and the shelf and the personal assistant. So a lot of people, the actually the people who succeed are those who are most dependent, who extract the most from others and give the least back. And that is also uh, fed into the myth of individuality and self-sufficiency. Individualism is when the society, when a person basically um, orients themselves to believe that everything in around them is for their benefit. Individuals are good. Individuals are an asset to a community because when an individual who has a unique set of talents, a unique outlook, a unique perspective, and, and, and is able to come in and engage with all this other uniqueness and create a cohesive culture, a functional society. But individualism, individuals extract from the group. Individualist, I'm sorry, individualist who engage in individualism, putting the individual above all, they extract from the group. Individuals feed into the group. So this stuff about self-sufficiency, self-made, individualism, all lies that white people tell. I was just talking about how people say they have all these good things happening in their life and they want to thank God because they don't have to pay the people back. If I say God is responsible, I remember I'll be sure had a stroke and he was in the coma for months and they showed him with all these tubes and pipes and pipes and shit coming out of his body and he's in a hospital gown on a walker and he's got two nurses on each side holding him up and another nurse holding his IV bag behind him all these medical professionals that's been waiting on this man wiping his ass for three months and when he woke up he said thank God he didn't say thank the nurses Thank the doctors. Thank the janitors who came and took all this toxic shit out of my room so that I wouldn't get any type of infection. He didn't say thank my family members who came and sang and hummed over my body. To keep me in touch. To keep my mind engaged. He didn't even say thank my fans. He said thank God. I mean, I'm 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 other. Uh, let me let me keep going. Uh, there's another lie about earnings, this concept of earning. You have to you earn what you get and you have to earn. First of all, you have to earn the right to live. That is a warped concept that we just take for granted. And the fact that people are earning people. Uh, uh, talk about this thing is weird with the WNBA. I hear people talk, oh, the WNBA, they don't make any money. They don't make enough money. And they want the WNBA to make more money as opposed to the NBA to make less. They look at how much money the WNBA players make. And I think my wife told me, she follows that a little bit. I think she said they make on average a like eighty to $90,000 a year. 
And I'm like, wow, because as I understand it, they work what? Three months, four months out of the year, max. They work maybe four months. They get $90,000. They work four months out of the year. What's the NBA season, WNBA season? Let me see. What? May. Five months. They say it begins May 19th and ends September 10th, but then that don't count for the playoffs. So five months, less than half a year. All right, let's see here. So for five months. Whoa. No, I didn't ask. Oh, my God. Here we go. Wow. The uh, for five months, the average salary is one hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars. The average salary is one hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars. I don't know where my wife got this eighty thousand from. Maybe that's the lowest paid. One hundred twenty eight thousand dollars for five months. And and we got working class people crying about they don't get paid enough. And so what makes a ball player more valuable than a garbage collector? This concept of earnings and worthiness and meritocracy, you know, merits, we really have to revisit and reexamine that. What does it mean to earn something? Do you earn your investments? Do you earn dividends? When I inherit a mortgage or I inherit a piece of paper that tells me tells me I own land that I've never been to. Land that I've never set foot on, but I got a piece of paper. So any revenues generated on that land I've earned the concept of earning and worthiness has been absolutely warped in this country and black people have fully embraced it, even though we didn't come from that private ownership of land, owning a tree. Owning another person. The concepts of ownership, earning have to be reexamined. Oh, I got to hurry up. Shit. So I'm, I'm going to have to speed run through this. And, and tied to that, we have to reexamine value, cost, expenses, and the concept of externalities. I've already gone into details about what externalities are and the whole profit, mar all these, the whole concept of profit and wealth generation come can only operate to the exclusion of externalities if externalities were uh were not passed on to the masses there wouldn't be a profitable multinational corporation in this world but i digress so and the reason i'm saying this is because i have so many people that say they want to transform society they want revolution they want freedom but a lot of these white lies they just take for granted as reality and unless we start to examine these things, all you talk about justice, police brutality, imperialism, colonization, a lot of those bigger things are rooted in these small lies that we all accept. In fact, all atrocities, all genocides, and all oppression is founded on, driven by, and sustained by myths and lies. There's never been a genocide that, did, that was not preceded by these types of myths 
about who is the criminal, who is worthy, who has earned their and versus who is leeching off the system. And when all those things are, are, are implemented, only then can you have mass atrocities like individual crimes can be like when you have an individual commit a crime. I come up and rob you. People uh, uh, abuse their spouses or even murder. You can attribute that to ego. You can attribute that to, to, to the desire to extract something. But when you get a whole society oriented around killing a person or a whole society cheering on and, 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 and calling for the death, you know, the war on terror killed over a million people. It's killing people right now. Every mass atrocity, every mass genocide, system-wide uh, delusions have to be implemented. There has not been one major atrocity. There has not been one war that isn't rooted in, 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 in commonly held delusions and lies. And that's why we have to examine this shit we take for granted. You can't study history, get the knowledge, study the gut. You have to uh, study your uh, your own assumptions, your conclusions. The things you accept without questioning have to be examined more aggressively than the things you oppose. So let's keep going. So we've talked about the, the self-sufficiency, uh, uh, self-made, earning, worthiness, merit, uh, uh, value of things, the cost of things, the expense of things. Those are all interrelated and all distorted, what we value. Everything that is necessary for human life to be sustained is free, abundant, and renewing. Air, water, land, solar energy, plant life. We have to engage in our labor in order to make these things work on our behalf. But those things unto itself, when people are taking ownership of sunlight, of rainwater, of land, of seeds, when they are mapping the DNA and turning the genetic code of plants that we consume or plants that can heal us into intellectual, private, for-profit property. And they wouldn't be able to do this madness. Rewriting the code of animal life and then sending them out into the world as their property to reproduce independently. We wouldn't be there if we hadn't started allowing ourselves to be diluted through violence and, and indoctrination into believing. That money was real. That kings have the divine right. That anybody deserves to rule over anybody else. But let's keep going. Another lie is open borders. The concept that U.S. is being invaded. You know, when the United States loves to have people in this limbo. The United States, through its imperialist policies and its trade uh, monopolies, economic sanctions, makes the nations unlivable the united states dumping weapons and, and 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 fueling the drug wars of latin america mexico so you're a mexican peasant you're a honduran mother right 
and the United States commits coup d'etats in your country or the United States props up corrupt oligarchs in your country and arms your military not to defend the nation's integrity but to suppress the working class people in your country. And the United States, through its imperialist capitalist policies, makes your nation unlivable. So you're like, damn, I was a peasant working the land in Mexico and I can't fucking do it because the land has been bought up by multinational corporations or these U.S. companies came to Mexico because they don't have to follow environmental laws. They don't have to follow environmental laws, so they set up a maquiladora production facility and they polluted my land. So I'm going to go north where my resource is going. I see these big trucks, empty trucks come into Mexico. They come into Mexico empty and they fill up with goods and they drive north of the border. So the wealth of my nation is going north. So I'm just going to follow my resources. So they make your country unlivable and then they want to turn around and condemn you for coming to their country. Because you're unlawful. You're breaking the law. They commit a coup d'etat. The workers of the country organize on a political scale, uh, elect a progressive leader. And so that progressive leader can redistribute the resources and end the oligarchical and repressive rule of the military. And then the U.S. finances through the CIA, the economic hitman, upheaval in the country. Like, damn, I tried to make my country livable. The U.S. government through imperialism makes Honduras unlivable. Let's head north. They make where you are unlivable, and then they prevent you from going to a place where you can make a life for yourself. They did the same thing to black people. They wouldn't let us integrate, and they won't let us get away. We had the biggest movement. We all going back to Africa. The hell you are. We're going to take, assassinate, we're going to incarcerate, we're going to exile. We're going to use every means at our disposal to stop black people from going to the back to Africa movement. Fine, we're just going to find isolated pot spots of land, unwanted plots of land here in America and just build our own communities. The hell you is. The new Africa movement, we're going to COINTELPO, we're going to assassinate, we're going to subvert. We're like, fine, we'll integrate. Give me my American flag. Give me my casserole. Hell, give me a white spouse. I'll just integrate. I'll become all American. Yankee doodle dandy. I'll go to your military. I'll go to your schools. I'll learn. I'll stop speaking Brooklyn English, and I'll speak standard English. I'll take the bass out of my voice. Fine. I'm just going to integrate. No, you can't integrate either. You got no fucking options but to exist in this unsurvivable limbo. And whenever you do to break out of it, I'm going to deem you a criminal or deem you a terrorist, deem you a threat, deem you an illegal alien, and I'm going to attack you. And we keep playing this goddamn game for centuries with these motherfuckers. And I hate to say these words, but, you know, uh, uh, when I was a member of EMBA, they used to get on me for cursing. And I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to explain obscenities without using obscenities i'm not that smart i'm not that artistic so if some shit's fucked up how am i supposed to say that without calling it fucked up give me another word give me a word and i'll use that word but until you give me that word so uh this concept of open borders and now, and not only that, forget about the coup d'etats, forget about the imperialism. 
Forget about the resource theft. Forget about the, the, ex, the, the export of polluting industries and polluting production. And to forget about that. They just, all the carbon, they've destroyed the climate. So climate refugees, economic refugees, people running from sanctions. So that's another white lie. The invaders are calling us the invaders. The criminals are calling us the criminals. In fact, every accusation that the political right, that the white dominators make is a confession. Everything they say we're doing, they're doing. Even when these evangelicals, these Christians, these, these MAGA heads, these, these uh, proud boys are talking about LG drag queens and outlawing drag queens, we know the top predators, the systematic institutional child predators is the church. Getting ahead of myself. So black people, and with all that open borders and shit, you got black people complaining about immigration. You got ADOS and foundational black Americans, them goddamn coon Uncle Tom handkerchief head Negroes talking about the African immigrants. And don't say shit about American imperialism. And I tell white folks every chance I get, if you don't like foreigners coming to this country, all you got to do is retract the military. End imperialism and you won't have a brown face in this country. How do I know? Look at Haiti. When Haiti had the Lava Lost movement, Haitians been trying to come here. They've been detaining uh, uh, Haitians at Guantanamo Bay since before the war on terror. And the moment Aristide rose to power and there's been just the slightest bit of reform, Haitians not only stopped migrating to the United States, many Haitians that had made a life here packed up and said, I'm going back. Haitian doctors and accountants and engineers and architects was like, I'm out this bitch because don't nobody want to live in America around you. Don't nobody, ain't one white, uh, white people are all over the world like people are coming to our country. Nobody comes voluntarily to white, even though white folks are everywhere. Nobody came to Europe. Nobody wants to be, ain't nobody trying to be up under you. Ain't nobody coming to see you, Otis. They not, they come in here for their resources. But we understand that when stability comes to the so-called third world, the third world people would prefer to be in their own land, building amongst their own people. Malcolm X said, you get away from them, they call you an extremist. You get close to them, they say you're moving too fast. And somehow we manage to live in this warped limbo of this space white folks have carved out for us. We want you to live in unlivable. We want you to tolerate the intolerable. And the moment you are not willing to live in the unlivable and tolerate the intolerable, we're going to criminalize you. We're going to demonize you. We're going to assassinate COINTELPRO COINTEL you. And what's the worst thing about these lies about the, the open borders and refugees, people coming to our country to take our jobs? Black people are starting to articulate that dumb shit. Don't even realize our allies are the people who are fighting against the U.S., not the U.S. And moving on to follow that, this concept of big government. Got black people against big government. Never hear black people talk about big business or big corporation or, or, or big elites, or big oligarchs, big billionaires, big government. I mean, that's the only recourse you have. Can't get into that. Another one that I know every black person, maybe I can count on one hand the black people that don't accept this white lie of theism and spirituality. 
theism and spirituality is a big lie that so many of y'all be that God, the Lord, will make a way somehow while here beneath the cross I bow. And tied to that, this nonsense about last days, end time prophecy. Oh, it's the end now. This was written. That is defeatist. It is backwards and is simply untrue. There is no material evidence. There is no historical evidence. And every time there's any type of real cognitive uh, engagement on the issue, anytime there is any research, anytime any claims are examined, they've all held to be false for over 2,000 years. Theism is illegitimate. And if you allow theism to contaminate your thoughts and your outlook on the world, you start to oppress yourself. Theism is literal voluntary retardation. And we have to fight it. If secularism, if rationality and reason cannot come to dominate our thoughts and therefore direct our actions, we are fucking doomed. And people, oh, you just let people believe what they want to believe. That is the most insane thing. I'm not stopping anybody from believing. I'm just challenging what they profess. Don't you know white supremacy is a belief? Nazism is a belief. You don't just let people believe what you want to believe when their beliefs disrupt and ill affect other people around them. So theism and spirituality is another lie. And I know it didn't just come from white people, but the dominant theology, the Judeo-Christian theology, that Western, that the warped Hindu and warped Westernization, materialization of Eastern mythology is the dominant form. So the lies, the, the spiritual and theocratic lies that y'all do believe generally come from white folk. And even when black people, oh, I'm a con, I follow Ifa, and, and the black people, I do Vodun. What are you doing? To, what are you asking the ancestors for? White folks money, <laughs> a promotion at the white folks. So even when you do African spirituality, it's so that you can elevate in, in, in the oppressive system. Uh, I can't get into that. I don't have time. Anyway, uh, oh, let me talk to about this one. Guns as guns as a deterrent to government tyranny. Black folks and white folks believe too much in guns citizens have. <laughs> Literally every right, every right that we have has been legislated away. They legislate away to our rights without a shot being fired by either side. Pin mightier than the sword. You know, the, well, if the pin is mightier than the sword, then the keyboard is mightier than the gun. Because now they don't sign away our rights. They use keyboards to type away our rights. But anyway, I'm out of time, y'all. I did want to talk, and I think, you know, um, really my, the, the ultimate where this mythology is very dangerous. You think, oh, we have having the truth or knowing the truth or embracing the truth will not alone protect you. White people start to cultivate these lies and expand these lies. I do want to talk about critical race theory <laughs> because um, this critical race theory is Nazism. And what's really weird about critical race theory is uh, I can't get into it, but really I can't. But anyway, I'll just what's left on the list we really need to talk about it's libertarianism i mean liberalism and leftism liberalism and leftism people confuse or use those words synonymously 
Oh, I hate calling Democrats leftists <laughs> or the political left. You know, so that's something in these. And the difference between a revolutionary and reactionary. There's a lot of ref reactionaries parading as revolutionaries in the black community, but uh, overall in society. But I guess that's it. Um, the white majority in this country is going full-blown fascism and black people are not safe. Dick Gregory said we're no safer than Jews in Nazi Germany. And we have to ask ourselves, as a black people, um, what are the protections do black people have from fascism, internment, genocide, and any final solutions that the white uh, population might seek to impose? And ask yourself, why are you seeing so many black people, black men in particular, join with the fascist? And just because black people are supporting MAGA movement and the various elements of the evangelical movement and strong families and anti-abortion, and you see a lot of black men embracing that. If you look at other genocidal movements where uh, the Nazis, they were working with Jews. There's a book, Hitler's Jewish Soldiers. The Nazis worked with the Italians, and they thought Italians were inferior stock. They worked with the Japanese, and they thought the Japanese were. So early in these uh, genocidal campaigns, a lot of people that the, the, the fascists want to eliminate, they'll work with them and integrate them into the movement, especially in the early stages. So anyway. I apologize for the audio being low. I'm not sure where that's coming from, but I do appreciate y'all uh, uh, listening to the Bro Diallo Show. I'll see y'all this Friday on Earn Your Liberation. Please like, share, subscribe, uh, share with your friends, allies, enemies, lovers, followers, and detractors. Let's get the word out. Uh, help to support independent, radical, um, pan-African media because uh, Lord knows ain't nobody else supporting it. So if we don't support it, our own media outlets that, that, that we think bring value to our community. No one will. Uh, thank you for listening, and I will see you guys next Monday morning for the Bro Diallo broadcast. Peace. Oh, wait, I ain't even got my outro music queued up. And, again, we can uh, continue the discussions in the comments, of course. We can, uh, and, again, uh, shout out to, uh, <laughs> shout out to um, Trump. <laughs> He's going to jail. <laughs> I mean, he's not I know y'all gonna get on here you been going to jail and we're gonna leave with the fat boys since we came in with fat boys jailhouse rock big fan in fact one of the very first concerts I ever went to was the crushing fat boys crushing tour so fat boys well that's the first hip-hop concert shout out to uncle Chris that got me tickets and we went to see the fat boys and it blew my mind so that was one of the first tours what year was that I don't know but I'm an old man so you know Shout out to the Fat Boys. Rest in peace to the Human Beatbox. Rest in peace to uh, uh, Prince Marquise. And that's it. What? I gotta cue up this music before I close out the show. Oh, shit. Sorry. Anchor. We gonna make it happen, Captain. What in the world? Sorry. That didn't work. Computers are whack, man. Okay, now it's queued up. Alright, see y'all. Maybe a little chubby, but don't feel slow. We guarantee you one thing we can show.